Welcome, everybody. I'm David Irvin. I'm a leadership development specialist and best-selling author, and we want to welcome you to the Leaders Navigator podcast. The premise is simple. The podcast will provide you with insights for living and leading the authentic way so that you'll be better equipped to amplify your positive impact as a difference maker in any area in your life. We'll cover a variety of topics related to authenticity. We'll hear stories of how authentic leaders came to be who they are, and we'll create a platform for you to submit questions you would like us to address in all the different topics, on all the different topics that we talk about here and in my books. What's uniquely special is that I'm doing this podcast together with my daughter, Haley, and I'm super excited about this opportunity to work jointly on this project that we are both so passionate about. Welcome, everybody, and welcome, Haley. Good to, be, good to be here again with you. Yeah, I, uh, I'm actually, I mean, I'm looking forward to this topic, but based on, uh, you know, if we're talking about honesty, Dad, how are you honestly feeling? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because I had a, a, uh, a conversation with a marketing guy this morning, and the implication is that everything that you do has to have monetary value. Everything has to be codified. Mm-hmm. And he talked about when you're sitting beside the guy in the in the airplane, how do you codify that conversation? Mm-hmm. How do you turn that conversation into economics? Mm. And it got me thinking, is that the way I want to live my life? Because it got me thinking about, okay, how many downloads have we had on this podcast? Mm-hmm. How have we unsuccessfully uh, and non-existently, if that's a word, I just made that up. <laughs> uh, market marketed this this web this podcast because we really haven't marketed it very much. It's just kind of getting out there by word of mouth. Mm-hmm. I totally enjoyed this time with you. I have no idea whether it really has value for our listeners, but I enjoy thoroughly doing this. And yeah. do we want to say what would happen to our podcast if we said, okay, how are we going to monetize this so that? we can uh, leverage our business mm-hmm. and you can leverage some money and and do a better job of this. What would happen? I haven't even thought about that because I'm not, marketing is not my forte. We I just want to bring value to the world. I want to enjoy the experience. And it's that conflict that sometimes I feel between, I just want to, en- do I want to enjoy the world or do I want to change the world? Mm-hmm. And I just think, I'm reaching a point in my life that I just want to hang out. And, you know, I, I kind of like being around a marketing a marketing guy like this, though, that he can help me maybe get the word out there better. But I don't want to codify everything in my life and turn my whole life into economics and make this whole experience called living into a big financial transaction. Mm-hmm. So that is uh, that is some of my meanderings, rumblings, if you will, uh, ramblings at, at this moment in my life. What about you? Yeah, it's funny. You were just mentioning that because I have right now, this is a big question. I, I love the topic of assessment um, in terms of, of teaching. I love the idea of assessment and that's really what it is, right? Like it's how can we efficiently and fairly assess students? And it, it all ties back to your monetary value too, right? Like how can we fairly assess these students in a way that wants to keep them learning and not be terrified about making a mistake because as soon as you assess them if that's their grade if they're working towards exclusively grades and not the joy of li- of, of learning right it's a very very different 
experience that they're going to have, right? In terms of how they approach mistakes, in terms of how they approach taking risks, in terms of how they approach success. And again and again and again, so many studies have been done both anecdotally and, you know, within education systems that slapping a grade without feedback, just slapping a grade on something, slapping some sort of numeric value does not actually encourage kids to learn. If anything, it, it makes them less likely to learn because they're so fixated on that, on that, that, that grade, right? That numeric value. Um, and I've had so many students who've had meltdowns um, because that they they take that value and they and they make it part of who they who their what their intrinsic value is, right? Because they take this, you know, I got a 85% on a chemistry test. Does that mean I'm an 85% person? And obviously it doesn't, obviously not, right? But when their entire life is planned out based on those grades, especially when you get to senior high, right? But especially when you get to grade 11 and grade 12, those that that value, that grade that they get determines what universities they're going to go to, how much money they're going to get in scholarships, right? What opportunities are they going to have purely based on, you know, their their ability to master these skills. And sometimes in some systems, it's entirely based on a, a final exam, right? Or or how they did on one specific day, right? And if they had a bad day, they write a bad exam, that's worth 30% of their mark. There goes, you know, $5,000 in scholarships, right? Very easily, right? Or more, right? Or there goes that program of their dreams, right? Um, and, and they're stressing and stressing and stressing about getting these, these grades instead of just learning to appreciate the journey, learning to appreciate mistakes, mistake making, right? Because that grade-based system, that numeric-based system does not actually reward mistakes. Uh, quite the opposite. It punishes mistakes. But, you know, I've been also trying to learn, been thinking about a lot about how I learn. I've been taking up on Duolingo. I love Duolingo. This is a whole other topic of conversation, but Duolingo in terms of a language learning system is brilliant. Um, and I could talk about that for ages, but uh, it's just a very, very cleverly designed app in terms of how we, how we learn. And it, 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 it takes a mistake and it gives you opportunities to redo it. And if you redo it and master it, that mistake is gone. Right. And so why, and if you think about even driver's tests, you make a mistake on a driver's test, you take it again. Sure. It costs a little bit of money. Sure. But you can take it again. And that previous attempt is gone. Right. Um, in, in the real world, that's how you make, how, that's how you learn, right? Like I think about how I always, you laugh at this too, dad. I, I always make a very, very specific point of looking behind me when I back up the car, because when I was 16, I hit mom's car with your car. If you recall, oops, not my finest hour. Right. But now that is ingrained in me. And I know that sounds common sense. I recognize that that sounds commonsensical to look behind you when you're driving the car backwards. I get it. Right. But, but that's, but making that mistake now has made that so much more real to me. Right. And so anyway, sorry, that's a whole, whole tangent, but I just about assigning monetary value and, and assigning a number. Um, it just kind of gets rid of the whole ex human experience. Cause now we're just trying to reach that, that number. And sometimes it's attainable. Sometimes it's not. So I love tan tangents. So how <laughs> Haley, do you help these young people define themselves separately from their grades, because this extends into our entire adulthood. Yeah. We compare ourselves to number of followers. Mm -hmm. We compare ourselves to the income mm -hmm. of people around us. How do we find that identity outside of the 
results that we produce on in a on a particular day? I think it's finding satisfaction in in things for yourself and not for other people. Um, I mean, I can I can manipulate it to some extent in teaching because of how I because I and I'm allowed this now by the Ontario government. I'm allowed to determine grades, not calculate grades, but determine grades. And so what that wording does is it allows me to look at the most recent, most consistent grades that this child has earned, right? And their progress throughout, you know, in in a variety of different ways within the classroom, within assignments, within discussions, right? Um, it allows me to determine a grade that I think is is not based on what that child has attempted in one single assignment. It's based on what they are able to do overall, right? And so if that means that, you know, the kid has to write the essay once and it doesn't go very well, that that means that I give them that opportunity to go back, fix their mistakes and resubmit it. And I take that just as valid as the first attempt. Um, I, I have the flexibility of doing that. I mean, I'm in a special school and and things like that. And, and I'm, I had the luxury of being able to really pour through that curriculum to find where I can do that. Right. Um, but that being said, that's not feasible in a lot of situations. It's not feasible in a big system. It's not feasible when preparing for university, when a lot of universities, it's entirely, it's, it is a numbers game. University is a numbers game, right? <clears throat> so I think to try to get away from that, you know, it's, it's finding ways of defining yourself and in, instead of qualitative means, which are, or sorry, quantitative means, sorry, my mistake, instead of quantitative means, which are based on accountable quantity, right? Instead, finding ways to define yourself on based on qualities, right? So I, if I define myself as a runner, purely based on my speed, I'm, I'm average at best, right? Um, but if I think about how far I've personally come, right, and how good running makes me feel and, and the pride I have in myself to get away from those numbers and instead focus instead on qualities, right? Um, and find satisfaction from that. That's, I mean, that's, that's what I find can help me. And that's what I try to tell students too, right? How did they feel after that test is far more important than the grade that gets slapped on there, right? Um, seeing themselves grow and learn, right. And improve, right. And look back on the work, you know, even over years. And that's the other thing too. I have the luxury of teaching kids for, you know, multiple times over a course of several years, looking back on their work from several years ago and now you can qualify it based on different qualities but it's really hard to quantify it right <clears throat> because if you're looking at yourself over years right so i think that's i mean i, I try to do that instead of based on numbers and space based on quantities it's instead focusing on qualities so I, this is i like i'm intrigued by this because i i like it because i don't think you're saying that we give everybody a trophy so they can feel good. No, no, no. no. What, what you're saying is <clears throat> helping them find their identity mm -hmm. away from a grade. And away and, from and the grade comfortable. Can, the grade can be a tool to inspire <laughs> them to put more into it. And I think when we're in a world where we like it, it's it's very naive to think that the world is not based on numbers it's entirely naive to think of that right like it's like you said right as soon as they graduate from university or sorry graduate from high school they, they enter university it's a numbers game in terms of grades scholarships 
placing things like that right after university then it's a it's a numbers game based on income based on years of experience right um and and so on and so forth right so it's very naive i think to say to get away from numbers entirely like our system is built on that right but instead it's finding other ways of of defining yourself right that aren't necessarily external in relation to everybody else but instead based on yourself and your own personal progress yes and i'm also working with companies to help them get rid of the grading system in performance evaluations. Mm. Because what right does anybody have to evaluate anybody in life? Mm -hmm. What we can do is give each other feedback yeah. and, and, and be honest with each other. But this notion of grading is a parent, very parent-child relationship. And I am moving people from that parent-child relationship into an adult-to-adult -adult relationship. And yeah. I, I think that's the work of, of you as in high school, is to start to introduce young people into this world as a partnership with the world, not as a child. We got to grow up, but we also have to uh, mature. And we have to not evaluate ourselves based on based on the numbers game that we in reality live in. Yep, definitely. And and I think look at who you are in your own progress, right? And and have a lot more, I've had a lot more success in terms of student attitudes. And I, again, I can only speak anecdotally, but um, you know, when talking to kids about how they feel they've improved, I had one of the gym teachers at our school, I, I highly, highly admire because he gets kids to determine their own grade in gym class based on um, goals that they set at the beginning of the gym class, at the beginning of the unit of what they want to achieve in whatever sport that is. They determine that that goal and they look at themselves at the end of that unit and they look at how well they've achieved that goal. And then they have a conversation with that teacher to determine what their grade will be that they think is fair. Right. And so it's not about, you know, the the football star who's an all-star athlete gets a hundred percent. And the kid who, yeah, sure, they've improved a lot, but they're still not a great athlete, even though they've pushed themselves and have gone from barely being able to walk around the block to running a kilometer, right? They in theory could get the same mark in gym class because of their own personal progress and in terms of, of where they've come in fitness. Right. And so why isn't why can't we take that that same skill? and stretch that to other areas of life too, right? Where you look at where you've been and where you are and you reflect on that. Um, and then you determine, not calculate, but determine what your value is based on your improvement, based on the qualities you have, right? And, and based on your own criteria, not in comparison to others, but based on who you are and what you are able to accomplish. Where does on, I love that, by the way. Um, I, I love that. And, and it works well for the students, does it? Yeah, definitely. Because then they feel empowered. And I know there's like very easy, like why will, if a kid comes in and says he wants hundred percent, then you just give it to them. No, that's not what we're talking about. Right. It's about, can the kid justify why they deserve a hundred percent? And if they haven't grown or, or changed in that class, then, you know, they, if they weren't able to achieve the goals that they initially set out and they weren't able to master the skills, then why should they get that grade? They have to justify it. Right. Um, yeah. Where does honesty fit into that? I think it's, it's, there's twofold. It's being honest to yourself, right? And it's actually thinking, reflecting on what you're able to do. And I think we're actually not able to be honest with ourselves. I think this is perhaps a, a flaw in Canadian culture, um, is that we're not able to be honest with ourselves and we're not 
able to be honest with other people. Um, for example, uh, I do this exercise with my students where I have them think about their strengths and weaknesses and they are, they over exaggerate their weaknesses and they undervalue their, their strengths. And I, and I think this is a Canadian cultural thing. Um, I lived, as you know, I lived in Germany for a year. Um, and this, this problem didn't exist with honesty. Um, they were a lot more transparent, right? They were a lot more forthright and, and they weren't scared about being impolite, but I feel like there's this fear that by being honest, either with yourself or with others means that you are being rude. And I think that's a Canadian cultural thing that Canadians are highly focused on. They prioritize being polite over being honest. And so that means I'm going to downplay my own strengths. Um, I don't want to be bragging. I want to be humble. I'm going to downplay my strengths. I'm going to talk about my weaknesses a lot, right? I'm not going to give you specific feedback on what you need to work on that is direct and specific and clear. Instead, I'm going to be polite, right? Um, and I, I think we we overvalue politeness and we undervalue honesty. And I think that you see that in all levels, like kids learn that so that when they actually are given honest feedback, it can be personally um, not offensive. What's the word I'm looking for? They're, they're, we just don't, because it's not part of our culture, because it's not part of our every single day, it's not part of, of, of how we interact with ourselves and with other people that when we're not given honesty or sorry, when we are given honesty, instead of politeness, it can be very rude. It can be very, um, it's easy to get self-critical with that because we're not used to, to that honest feedback. So here's the thing from a, an authentic perspective. It takes two things to be authentic. People talk about, well, I'm just going to walk around and be a jerk, or I'm just going to walk around and say whatever I feel like doing because that's mm -hmm. authentic. I would suggest, and from my research and my experience in this, in this work for well over two decades, it takes two things to be, to be called authentic. You have to be honest, but you also have to be respectful. Mm -hmm. And I think what you're talking about, it is certainly a Canadian culture to downplay the honesty and to mm -hmm. upplay the respect. We pride ourselves as a culture at being I... respectful. But if you're not honest, I mean, let me just give an example and then I want you yeah. to jump in. Yeah. So let's suppose somebody says something in a meeting and we think that's the we're just thinking to ourselves, that's the stupidest thing that I've ever heard. Um, it's, but if you say it, that is actually not authentic. Mm. That's an opinion. Mm -hmm. When you're truly authentic in terms of if you're truly honest and respectful, it's unarguable. You can't argue. If, if I just say that's a stupid comment you made, you can say, no, it's not stupid. I, I believe in that. Now we have an argument. That's not an authentic argument. That's arguing about opinions. What mm -hmm. authenticity? Now, the other thing we can do is sit on our hands and, and, sh and close our mouth and not say anything. Then we're respectful, but we're not honest. So how do you stay honest? How do you be honest? You talk about your own experience to say that comment offended me. I am... I'm really offended by what you just said. You can't argue with that. I mean, you can if you want to try, but there's no argument. It's real because it's real for me. That's my experience. And this is what makes it authentic is that it's inarguable. 
And what I would propose is that honesty needs to be is more courageously, vulnerably, vulnerably speaking our truth, which is not the truth for somebody else, but it's our own individual truth. That is by definition authentic. Now, I interrupted you a while ago. No, I was just going to say, because I think with you can be respectful and honest, right? And I think, and the best example I can think of this is that I had one of one of my mentor, this one of my colleagues who I've learned so much from, she's in, she's brilliant. She always, before she gives any student feedback or educator feedback, because she truly believes in the value of feedback and of honest feedback, she asks them, could I give you some feedback? Um, or are you in a place to hear feedback right now? depending on, on, on who it is. Right. And she lets them say yes or no. And then she gives them the advice. Right. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've been given unsolicited advice before in my life and it's not great. If you're not in a place where you're, where you can hear feedback, my first year of teaching in my first one, one of my first months of teaching, I'd had a terrible class and it was not going well. And the last thing I needed was, it was feedback. That was the last thing I needed at that moment. I just needed to get through the day, move on. And then later on that evening or the next day when I was, when, when emotions weren't, weren't so hot and heavy, right at that moment, I'd be in a place where I could hear feedback and advice, but another colleague just gave advice that I was not in a, like in a mental place to hear. And it actually, it, it, it hurt. I was offended. I was not in a place where I could hear it, but what this colleague has been telling me, I, I, and I've, I've started using it you know, in, in my personal relationships with other students. Um, and it, it's, it's a really powerful tool so that you can open up this dialogue for, for giving honest feedback between people. Um, and you know, and it, it's a great place because I find with students, sometimes they just want validation. They don't actually want feedback. They just want to be told that it's, it's great, which obviously isn't actually productive. Right. Um, but if they're looking for validation and I give them honest feedback, that doesn't feel good. Right. So, um, so, you know, so, so then if they, if they tell me, they just want validation. If, if I asked the student that I said, Hey, can I give you some feedback? Are you in a place where you can hear it? Or do you just want validation? And they say validation and they laugh about it. And I say, ha ha. Okay. I was like, okay, come back when you're ready to hear some feedback. And they always do. And then they're able to hear it and they're able to use it and they're writing notes down and, and they're more open to it. Um, but, but it's a very neat way of, of using consent as well, because I know consent is a huge discussion um, to have right now. Just in general, it's a really important discussion. Um, but feedback could also be with that too. So I love that. I love the notion of giving people that space. Yeah. So you ask, first of all. Yeah. Uh, are you in a place to do this? And then we have to be honest if we're not. Yes. And this is exactly. not about pleasing. And this yes. is where I have struggled at times. I just feel like compelled. Well, because I'm, you know, I want to be a nice guy. And so you give me feedback and uh, we have to, I have to squelch that in myself. I've got to be really honest. Now, if there's a positional leadership responsibility, i.e. a teacher student relationship, what happens is you don't, when you move into a position of authority, you don't get more power, yes. but you do have more accountability. And your accountability is that you have to be giving honest feedback yes. to people. It's part of your job, right? Yes, Just like absolutely. a boss in an organization has a responsibility to give honest feedback to their employees, to their team members. Now, the timing needs to be taken into consideration. This is not a good time to hear this, but it's not an option not to get it. 
because I have a responsibility as a teacher, as a boss, to give you this feedback. But what you're saying is when you give people that space to make it safe to hear it, they will come back on their own time. But that speaks, I would argue, to the quality of your relationship with them, that you've earned the trust with them that they would come back. Well, and, and I think too, something that I found um, is I, I ask kids, and this is actually like a really interesting thing with younger generations too, especially these kids who've been through COVID, right? Is that some of them are more open to feedback if it's digital and they can take it in their own space. And I know some people might criticize me like about this, but I, I actually, I'm a firm believer of this. Like some people need to sit and be in a place where they can sit and read through their feedback um, and an email or, or after the fact, and they can sit and they can reflect on it. Um, and that's more valuable to them than, than hearing it orally. And for some people that can make it be really important. So for those kids, for example, I'll, I'll put it in the, the place of an essay. Um, and then again, through university as well, but, um, so kids will, will share a Google doc with me with their essay and some kids prefer to go through it orally in person. And, and I sit beside them and we talk through it and some kids are, um, they'll share it with me and I'll look at it on my own. And then if they have questions and I, I leave comments on there for them, leave feedback for them, and then they'll come back and, and ask me for clarification if they need it. Um, and that I find is, is we're in this world where we have all these digital tools available to us. Right. And so for some kids, that's the way that they can hear feedback best. Right. I'm also somebody who like, I like to see things written and I like to come back to things. Right. And so if somebody just sits me down in a meeting that I'm not ready to hear feedback for, and they just start throwing feedback at me, um, not always, I'm not always going to hear it, not in terms of emotionally, but even in terms of remembering it to come back to it later, because I like to write things down. Right. So it's, it's also catching people at the right moment where they can, they can hear it both emotionally, but also practically too. I love that. It's mm -hmm. great. Just because it is, you know, I talk a lot in my work around creating a psychologically safe mm -hmm. space, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that we can rescue people from their discomfort. No, it means that we create a safe place for people to be uncomfortable in it. Yeah, our, because we're not going to grow if we don't push beyond our 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 comfort zone, and yeah. we're not living up to our responsibility as a positional leader uh, to not challenge people to help them grow. But that's very different than evaluating them out of our own limited perspective of the perception of the world. And I think it's also important to recognize that, like you and I are speaking from a Canadian cultural perspective, right? Whereas some cultures are much more, and this is the other thing too, is we become more diverse in our world and in our workplaces, right? And we start to have more people from different cultures, right? Some people like feedback itself is cultural. Um, and so the ability to take feedback or to give feedback or the types of feedback is incredibly dependent on where you grew up. Um, so Germans, for example, are much more honest and they find respectful politeness to be ineffective and inefficient. And so they'll just come out and say it and it has nothing to do with intending to hurt you. That's not the intent. The intent is to be effective and, and precise and to not waste time. Um, and so, and so for them, that's the respectful piece. They don't want to waste your time with, with, the, the compliment sandwich, if you will, right? Things you do well, things you're not doing well, things you do well, right? They just come out and say the things you're not doing well to fix it and work on it. And for cultural Germans, makes sense, right? It's much more, it's much more efficient, right? Um, and for example, I know um, in Chinese culture, it's been a really interesting experience. We have this new student who moved here from China in August. And so she's just learning what it's like to be in Canadian culture. 
Um, and they don't give a lot of um, qualitative feedback. It's a lot, it's just numbers, right? That's the kind of feedback they get. And so for her to get this kind of feedback is, is a new experience for her. So it, there's a learning curve there as well. So I think that's also an important thing as our workplaces become more and more diverse, recognizing that how we give and receive feedback is, is dependent on the culture that we grew up in too. So what's the lesson there? That we need to be aware of our own culture. I think, we need yep. to share and make explicit what our cultural style is and that yep. we need to be attuned to understanding what another person's cultural perspective is around uh, receiving feedback. And I think it's, it's, it's again, too, like, are you in a place where I can give you feedback, right? Like, here's the kind of, like, I would like to give you some feedback. Are you open to it? And respecting what the answer is, right? And so if it's, you know, they're, they're not in a place where they can hear it, fine. If they are in a place where they can hear it, fine, right? But that also can be dependent on the culture too, right? And, you know, it's just, it goes back to that consent piece, right? Well, we were just talking before, uh, before we got on about my uh, potential upcoming surgery on my shoulder <laughs> and how I tore this tendon in my shoulder and uh, it's ripped right off. It's completely severed. And, but there's, there's three other tendons that, that work. And so if you, so if you can strengthen those tendons, it'll minimize the pain and and it's a good thing in a way that it's so severed this is i do digress here but it does come back to the point of honesty so mm -hmm. it it's it helps that it's completely severed because it's not quite as painful as it had if it was partially severed but the surgeon i met with the surgeon and he was very honest with me he says you know there's this ratio of benefit risk and it drops substantially when you're your age after the age of 60 it drops substantially and he said operating on somebody your age is a little bit like trying to sew up wet toilet paper it just you just don't know how it how it, how it uh, will is going to stick because the risk is just higher and as much as it was hard to hear the bad news it was refreshing mm -hmm. to at least have the honesty because mm -hmm. it was done with compassion um and he it, i i respect him for being an ethical surgeon he doesn't just put me under the knife not knowing what the risk is and he says mm -hmm. consider this in three months find out you know, how much this pain uh, continues, and then we'll assess it again if we need to, if the pain becomes excessive. Mm -hmm. So I think there's something to be said about moving toward a culture of greater honesty. I think that's the point. Yeah. I, I digress there a little bit with my story, but I think there's something to be said in our polite, um, respectful, often dishonest culture in Canada. I think it would be helpful for us to grow a little bit more on the honesty side and not to disrespect more, but I always say in organizations that the opposite of engagement is not disengagement. The opposite of engagement is polite. Mm. And I think when we build this polite culture of niceness, mm -hmm. um, I don't think that's the culture I want to live in. And I, I actually think too, like Gen Z, the upcoming generation, the ones that are just starting to work in the workforce, they have no time or energy for fake politeness. They have no time for it. They have no, they, they find it a waste of time. They find it again, inefficient. Uh, and they're all about just getting in there, making the most of their time, being productive with the time that they have there and, and, and leaving. Right. And so, so this could be the workplace of the future, right. Where we just are much more efficient. We're much, we can focus on, on things outside of work, have a healthier work-life balance because the time that we're in work, we're, we're efficient. We're cutting to the chase. There's no more of this, you know, the fluffy politeness, everything like that. Everyone's there for, 
you know, just no one's wasting each other's time. Everyone's respectful of each other's time and everyone's circumstances. And, and, you know, there's, there's, you know, nothing else. Right. And I think that's actually a really good thing. Right. So we could see some, you know, some big changes because Gen Z, they don't hold anything back. (laughs) So what would we say would be the two or three takeaway messages from this conversation? I think feedback is incredibly important. We have to value feedback, including feedback with yourself, right? Checking in with yourself, you know, where you're at today, where you're at tomorrow, what you need, like, is, is it a day to, you know, and, and, and I think, you know, where have you come, where are you going? Right. I think qualitative feedback for yourself is really important, not quantitative, but qualitative. I think where possible, get away from the numbers game where you can either giving feedback to others or to yourself, right. Recognizing that numbers are necessary, but not the only way we can measure our worth. Um, and I think, you know, with, with that giving and receiving feedback, um, trying to find and create environments where feedback is welcomed, appreciated and, and being vulnerable with others is, is, is appreciated, um, instead of, a a judgment competition, competition kind of environment. It's a great summary. It's a great summary. I love talking to you today. Likewise, as always. Likewise, really, even if uh, really even if society only views you as as wet toilet paper, I promise <laughs> I don't view you that way. <laughs> well, I won't put my whole identity into that, even though my, <laughs> even though my tendons might be moving in that direction as I age. <laughs> <laughs> You're more than just your tendon, Dad. <laughs> yes, correct. correct. What are you grateful for today, my dear? Oh, that's a great question. I am grateful for. Uh, I know it's like a lot of fresh starts in January. Uh, in high school here, we 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 start a new semester. Um, at the end at the beginning of, of February, so I always like getting new classes, fresh start, starting fresh. It's kind of like September again. Um, so I, I really am grateful for that. I'm grateful for these conversations again. I know I say that every week, but I, I love having these conversations, dad. And, uh, I am grateful for, um, okay. So it's, it's a very popular show right now. It only has two episodes. Don't watch it, dad. It's very gory. You would hate it. Cause it's very gory. Um, but there's this new TV show that AJ and I've been watching and I find it's like the best escapist. I can fully get immersed in it probably to an, an issue, but it's about, um, it's called the last of us. It's based on a video game, but it's, it's the one that was filmed in Calgary actually, um, for HBO. And the whole premise is about this, this fungus that actually does exist in real life that takes over the, the brain, the, um, takes over an insect, uh, and moves up the insect and takes over its brain and controls it. So it kind of zombifies, I guess. And I'm putting this very crudely and as not a scientist at all, um, but takes over the, and zombifies the body of, of this insect. And it's, well, what if that were to happen in humans? Um, in this post-apocalyptic kind of world. Anyway, I find it wonderful. The characters are fantastic. The special effects and the design is stunning. Uh, do I recommend it to you to watch dad? Absolutely not. It's very graphic. They have mushroom caps coming out of their eyeballs and they're clicking and hissing and biting each other's necks and stuff. So probably not the, the most engaging for you. However, it is a wonderfully escapist piece of television. So I'm grateful for that. What are you grateful for dad? It's great. I'm grateful <laughs> that you know enough about your father to know that I don't like violent, uh, violent Zombie, movies. Fungus. And I, I know that if I watch any any degree of any tension on TV, it has to be a matinee so that I can <laughs> sleep at night. So you you at least I I'm grateful that I have a daughter that respects and understands that. I just blogged this week about our uh, 
infamous uh, trip in the in the submarine in West Edmonton Mall when ah. I got and I got rescued from the submarine through the uh, trunk escape. But uh, and I I made a comment on how much I always have re- been respected by my family for yeah. the uh, for my challenges in life and that uh, I'm appreciated and valued that way. Did you hear? I was talking because mom was mom had texted us about um, trying to find a photo from that moment. Um, and I guess West Edmonton Mall. There's this artist that's doing they're instead of because West Edmonton Mall W E M, they're doing this art installation called Wemories. And I said, you should include that one. <laughs> but I don't think that's the kind of memory they're looking for. <laughs> well, tune into my uh, LinkedIn account tomorrow morning. It'll be posted at 7 a.m. And you can hear my uh, my story of the West Edmonton Mall <laughs> on my LinkedIn account. <laughs> so I think what I'm grateful for today is we're going to Mexico, as you know, for a week next week. Woo-hoo. And I'm learning in life to just unplug Mm. and to be in stillness. So I've got some big decisions in my business. Where do I take this business? Um, Where where are we going to go? We've got a team here that's going in a a direction that uh, is causing me a little bit of angst. And what I'm learning is, and maybe we'll talk about this in our next episode, right the day before we leave for Mexico, but I'm learning here to just be still and Mm. allow time not to think but to be mm. present to the environment. And, you know, we're going to be walking the beach and and just having an environment there where we'll have an opportunity to just be present. And I am learning that just through stillness, if I just stop and be still, new awarenesses, new creativity, new insights emerge from that place of stillness that's animated, that animated life force, that wise, some kind of an internal, whatever you want to call it within me, there's a wise, there's a, there's a higher, wiser self there, but the, I can only access it through stillness. So I'm grateful that I have an opportunity to move into that realm in the next uh, week or two here. Be where your feet are. hundred <laughs> percent. And I'm always grateful to have this conversation with you. <laughs> well, you stay real. You too, Dad. <laughs> stay real. What's that? No, I just said you too. Stay real. You too. Absolutely. Take care. See you, <laughs> See you next time. Folks.